right? Out of obedience. This was a big deal, by the way. In, in his time, you did not leave the safety and security of your family. You didn't do that. They, these, at this time, city-states are, or, were more like clans, like family clans. You stayed with your clan because that's where safety and security was. But Abraham went out from that. Why did he do that? Well, Yahweh asked him to do it. Yahweh is the personal name of God. Right? Yahweh's asking him to do this. He left it with no known destination. He had no idea where he was going. Why did he do that? Well, Yahweh asked him to, right? He lived as a foreigner in a foreign place for his whole, the whole rest of his life. Why would he do that? Well, Yahweh asked him to do that, right? He never had a permanent home. He always lived in tents. And he did that because Yahweh asked him to do that. He kept trying to have a kid over and over and over again. He got really, really old, and, and he kept trying to have a kid beyond the age that you try having kids with his wife. And, and, it, and why did he do that? Well, Yahweh told him to do that. He agreed to kill his kid. Like, that's just crazy. Right? To end any future his family has. And this was a promised future from this guy Yahweh who's asking him now to kill his kid. Why did he do that? Well, Yahweh asked him to, right? He was obedient. He was right with God because he did right by God, right? He goes on. He said, for if Abraham was justified by his works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Abraham was an amazing man. And there are many who greatly revere him. I revere him, right? He's amazing. His, uh, the, the people of Israel all highly regarded Abraham as, as one of the, the greatest Israelites ever, if not the greatest Israelite ever. And, and he could go around boasting, which we talked about this idea of boasting uh, last week. This is not like bragging, like we think of bragging, like, oh, I'm so amazing or whatever. This is, this is what we place our confidence in. This is what we hang our hat on. This is why we can get up in the morning and go face people is because we have some sort of confidence in something or someone. Sometimes that confidence is in ourselves. Most of the time, our, that's, our confidence is in ourselves. Sometimes our confidence is in someone else's opinion of us. And so we're always seeking that to, to, to gain that, that boost of confidence from them. And so Abraham could have hung his hat on his life and his behavior because he did a lot of right things in his life. But Paul's saying, do you think God's impressed by that? Do you think Abraham standing before God going, hey, look at all this stuff. You told me to do it, and I did it. Ah, look at me. What? You think Billy Graham, when he stands before God, is putting his confidence in the fact, hey, did you see how many people came to my rallies? Huh? They obviously liked me. Jesus? God? Huh? No. Of course he's not. He's not putting his confidence in that. Martin Luther who is the, the father of the Protestant Reformation. It's the, the 
Protestant waters that we swim in all the time was started by this guy, Martin Luther. He changed the direction of the church fundamentally in the right direction. You think he stood before God as like, hey, look at what I did. I changed the direction of the church. Your church, right? No. You think Paul is standing for, the Apostle Paul standing before God, he's like, hey, I wrote a lot of that New Testament thing. That, that Bible, you know, that, that's your Bible thing. Like, I wrote a lot of that. I wrote Romans, even. Come on. Like, God. No, God's not impressed by this. Yeah, sure, he can boast before other people. Other people will respect us because of our behavior in life and our morality and our ethics. But God's not going to be impressed by that. And God definitely was not impressed with Abraham's behavior even though in some ways it was impressive to us. So where was, where was Abraham's hope placed? If it's not in that. He says, For what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. This is such a key statement. So, so important. What Abraham did is he believed in God. Now, I've probably said this a million times, and you guys are tired of me talking about it, but this is not believing things about God. We get this wrong a lot. It's not that we believe, like in our time, that we believe that Jesus was a real man who walked on the earth. Some people don't believe that. It's crazy. It's super historical fact. but, But some people don't believe that. But I believe it. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that Jesus did miracles. So I believe in Jesus. Mm -mm. That's not what this is talking about. This believe in term is really the the verb form of faith. You guys have heard me say this a million times, right? Faith. The, The word for faith in the Bible is pistis. This is pistuo, which is just the verb version of faith. We just don't use faith as a verb. I wish we kind of did. It's to entrust ourselves to. He trusted God. He, he trusted God more than he trusted himself. He trusted God more than he trusted his family. He trusted God even, even beyond what what's, seems sane to do. So we go back to the same list. And we look at it very differently. This is not obedience stuff. This is trust stuff. He left the safety and security of his family, who he should have been entrusting himself to, and went out because he trusted Yahweh more than he trusted the security of his family. He um, didn't know what destination he was going to go to. He didn't know where he was going to go. Why would anybody walk out and just start walking not knowing where they were going to go? Because he knew that Yahweh knew where he was going. And he trusted Yahweh. He lived as a foreigner in a foreign place. Why would anybody do that? In his time, that was crazy to do. I don't want to go into all the details, but you don't do that. But he did that. Why? Because He didn't have to entrust himself to this foreign land. He entrusted himself to Yahweh. He never had a permanent home. He always lived in tents. Why did he do that? Well, Hebrews uh, 11, 10 tells us exactly why he did that. 
He was looking for a city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He didn't need a permanent house because he was looking beyond the temporary and entrusting himself to Yahweh. He, um, he kept on having a kid, even in his old age. Why would he do that? Well, because Yahweh, the trustworthy one, said, you're going to have a kid. So he's like, okay, sure, I'll keep having, I'll keep trying. He agreed to kill his kid. And in fact, I would say he, he did kill his kid, although he didn't, right? We know the end of the story. But his intention in his heart was to drive that knife into the heart of his son. Like, that he was doing it when he was stopped. Well, why would he do that? Hebrews also tells us the answer to that question. He considered that God is able to raise even, people even from the dead. Right? He trusted Yahweh so completely. This behavioral stuff was just a product of the fact that he trusted Yahweh. And so because he trusted Yahweh, God credited, credited it, it's hard to say, to him as righteousness. That word credited means to, to calculate. It's an, it's an accounting term. It's, I'm going to put take something from this column and put it into this column. Kathy does this kind of stuff all the time for us, right? It, it's, it's the change of a status of something. Abraham was not righteous. Abraham was not perfect. Abraham was not blameless. But he trusted Yahweh, and Yahweh decided to treat him as if he was perfect, to treat him as if he were, were blameless, to treat him as if he was perfect. Because he trusted him. Because really, we, we, we only have a couple choices in life. Either we trust me, I trust me, I trust my thoughts, I trust my ways, and we will be treated as what we are, which is unrighteous. Or there's this other way where I trust him, his thoughts, his ways, and he will treat us righteously, as righteous, as perfect, as blameless. And knowing our lives, all of us have individual, you know, different stories. But, but knowing, but each one of us looking back at our lives, looking at the, the wreckage that's behind us of sin and, and behavior that we're completely blamed for and wrong, what a good thing that we don't have to trust, we don't have to place confidence in ourselves and our record, because our record's not good. We can trust Him. The point of your handout, if you want to fill it out, is God's plan for making us right with himself has always been faith. It was true in Abraham's time. It was true in the Apostle Paul's time. It's true in our time. God's plan for making us right with himself has always been faith. So part of this setup gives us a chance to kind of discuss some things. Here's our, our question to discuss just for a little bit. How would you define faith? 
And what might be some indicators of faith in a person's life today in the 21st century? What, what might that look like? How would you define it? And what might that look like in a, in a life? I'll give you a chance to discuss that for a little bit. All right, well, hopefully you had a chance to discuss that. Um, if I'm interrupting you right now, you'll have a chance to, to pick up the conversation again. Let's keep going. He starts now with some, uh, just some logical arguments based on what he just said, right? Faith being credited as righteousness. So he says, Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. He's now taking this word credited, and he's, he's basically exegeting this word. Um, if if you're, you've ever been sitting there, and I know most of you have, and you're like, why in the world is Nate going through what every word in the passage means? It's because Paul does it. He's doing it right here with the word credited. I blame it on him. Now, he's, he's taken this word credited, and he wants to flesh it out because he's really trying to help his readers and us understand what was going on with Abraham to understand what's going on with us. And so he says, think about this. If you go and work, and then at, you get your paycheck, you get your wage, is that a favor? Like, think about it. When you go to work, and after a couple of weeks, you're, you're, you know, your employer hands you your paycheck, and you've got it there, do you go, oh, thank you so much. You're so generous. No, you're like, thank you. That's what's due me, right? I worked for this, and you're paying me what is due. It is not a favor. And actually, what's interesting is this word favor here is, is the word grace. The, the, the word grace that we had back in chapter 3, verses, verse 24, that said justified as a gift by his grace, exact same word here. Remember, that grace is, that, is a one-way, it's not a transactional thing, it's a one-way gift. And he's like, wages aren't a one-way gift. Wages are transactional. You work and you get paid, right? Uh, Melissa and I do uh, Instacarting sometimes where we go deliver groceries, right? One of the things I like about it is it tells me how much we're going to get paid before we go deliver the groceries. So we accept it and we're like, oh, hey, 50 bucks, good. We go, we go shop, we deliver it. After it's done, I slide the little thing and say, I delivered it. And guess what I get? 50 bucks, right? What it told me it was going to pay me, it pays me. That's how this stuff works. Getting paid what you're due. Now, if we stop for a second and think, if that's the way this thing works and it's transactional and I get paid for what I'm due, what am I due? Well, let's go back through Romans 1 through 3, right? What are we due? We're due God's wrath. Every single one of us. But, verse 5, but to the one who does not work, now all of uh, us, uh, you know, if you're a conservative Republican, this is going to grate at you a little bit, this verse. It's going to be a little bothersome. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Option two is welfare. 
right? Not really welfare. But kind of a spiritual welfare, honestly. We don't do anything. No work. Nothing given on our be- uh, uh, from us that, that gives some sort of response from God. We don't work. But instead we believe, again it's the word faith, we trust Him who justifies the ungodly. And that faith, that trust, is credited, is given by grace one way, not transactional, as righteousness. We are not righteous in any way, but we are credited righteousness. Uh, Jesus refers to this in, in John chapter 6. He's got this crowd of people who ask him this question. They say, therefore, they said to him, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Now, this question is terrible because they see Jesus doing some amazing things like feeding 5,000 people. And they're like, hey, we want to do those things too. How do we do that? And he's going to turn it around on them. And he says, Jesus, it says, Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. That you faith, that you place your faith in him whom he has sent. There's a theme all throughout Scripture that just continues here, and Paul makes really um, concrete for us that it's always been about faith. And it's about faith now. And the reason why we need to know this is we like working for what we get. In fact, again, if you're a conservative Republican, you want the welfare system, you want those people to go out and work for what they get, right? You think that's the best way for things to go. We like this idea. We like the idea that we reached a certain point in our career where we started making the money we really wanted to make, and it was all because I pushed myself to become the top of my department, We like that because it's us accomplishing something. We don't like this, but this is our only hope. Our only hope is laying down our work and trusting in his work. Because he, it is him who justifies the ungodly. That's us. I've talked about this word before, but, I, but it's such an important word, and it's such, it's such an important way to view ourselves. That the, the reason why we need his righteousness is we are ungodly, which literally means nothing like the character of God. God is righteous, he is perfect, he is blameless. We are unrighteous, we are imperfect, and we are full of blame. And instead of trying to justify ourselves before him, which usually just ends up in comparing ourselves, we've talked about that, because there's no justification for our behavior, unless we compare our behavior to someone else's behavior, and then somehow we feel self-justified in that moment. Now, there's no justification for it. Instead of us justifying ourselves, he justifies us. And the result is our faith causes God to treat us as righteous. Just like Abraham's faith caused God to treat him as righteous. 
And then he goes, he, he's, he's trying the, uh, the one-two punch here. You know, he's, he's punched already with Abraham, which for the Jewish audience, they would have really, that was a real heavy punch. But the, he's got an equally heavy punch by throwing out David here. David is, is the greatest king that the Jews had ever known. In fact, they, this, this messianic expectation that they had was to bring about a Davidic king, bring back the good old days. That, David's reign was amazing. We want that back. Um, and so he throws in David here, who, who backs up what Abraham, how Abraham was righteous and how Paul is saying we are righteous. Verse 6, he says, Just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man whom God credits righteousness apart from works. This is from Psalm 32. He says, Blessed are those Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. The blessed person is not the one who God is going to evaluate based on their thoughts and their actions. Thank goodness. The blessed person is the one whose wrong actions and wrong thoughts and wrong living and, and everything that's just wrong about us is there's three things that happen to it. He says there's forgiveness, which literally means it's dropped. It's let go. God just drops it. Second, it's covered, which, which basically just means it, it disappears. All of our sin and our shame just disappears. And it's not taken into account. This is the same idea as as credited, our account is not calculated based on our sin. It's not a part of the equation. Our behavior, our thoughts, our actions, all of them, all the good and the bad, it's not taken into account. It's not a part of the equation of our righteousness at all. It's not added. That's where we get wrong ideas. Like we got Jesus' righteousness and our righteousness. Let's add them together and we get, I'm righteous. Now, it's not the way it works. It's not a part of the equation. Because God's acceptance is either merited by our works or it is credited without regard to our works. There's no in between. And I don't know about you, but my life does not merit righteousness. I need it to be credited. I need it. Point on your handout is, it's a long one, but there's only two blanks here. Faith is laying down confidence in our efforts for God and placing confidence in His efforts for us. This brings forgiveness from the disappearing of and a blatant disregard for our sins. Sins. Faith and sins. Those are the two words there. So here's a question for, for discussion here. A guy named uh, D. James Kennedy, years and years and years ago, um, created this great question, which a lot of people have used over the years. You might have even used it over the years. But I want us to answer this among ourselves. Suppose that you die tonight and stand before God, and he were to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Die tonight, stand before God, 
He says, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Let's talk about that for a little bit. Here, why might the following be less than, ex- than accurate and even unacceptable reasons to give? And I will just say right now that if you gave one of these three reasons, I can completely relate to you because all three of these reasons I know I've given in my life before. But why might not these not be the most accurate way to understand it or even just flat wrong? Let's start with the first one. Um, why should I let you into my heaven? And you say, because I've tried to be a good Christian. Works. It's not about me, right? Can't be about me. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's not at all about us being good Christians, right? It's not at all about us uh, having good works or doing good things. It does, and we'll talk about, we'll get to this, it does free us to good works, which is, which is amazing. But it has nothing to do with our good works. It has nothing to do with our bad works. It has nothing to do with our works at all. Thoughts, actions, none of that. So that is not a good reason why you should be able to get in heaven. Let's, let's do number two. Because I believe in God and try to do His will. I hear, I hear some, some murmurings behind masks. It works again. It's at least partially works, right? It, you might say, I, I have faith. I, I believe in God, right? It's my belief in God and my life. We put those together and it equals heaven. Sure he does. And all the demons, and they shudder. Yep. Yep. Um, any p- part that we play in salvation, in justification, it's, it's wrong thinking. And, and we need to root that kind of thinking out of our minds. Because it leads to, diff- it, it leads to di- hard things. I was just talking to, to our group about the fact that if I'm a part of the equation, that, that brings a lot of insecurity to me, right? Because the moment I don't live up to the good Christian I'm supposed to be, right, at least the good Christian I think I am in my mind, then suddenly, wait, 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 do I not have his approval? Do I not have, am I not going to get to heaven? Like, it, 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 it's, it's lack of, of security. I, um, Melissa had a really good friend, some, some of our best friends that we've ever had. She really struggled with insecurity, uh, with, with not... Um, sometimes not believing, well, maybe I, I'm not secure in my salvation. And it had everything to do with what she did, right? Because if that's part of the equation, it's going to bring insecurity. It's going to bring, bring pride. Because the moment you challenge me for the weaknesses in my life, oh, no, uh-uh, I don't have any weaknesses, right? It's a, it's a real problem. All right, the third one's t- tough. third one's tougher. Because I believe in God with all of my heart. I believe all the facts. I've, I've read the Bible. I believe the facts that are in there. <laughs> Our God, Yahweh. I believe all the facts that are in there. It, 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 it's, it's really faith as a work, right? It, it, it's... it's it's I trust in my ability to believe, right? And that's a real problem too, right? Because what, what if my belief gets a little shaky? 
What if I don't trust God in a particular area of my life? Then it's, it brings insecurity, right? Instead of laying down everything that I have, it's actually a, 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 a redirection of our trust from ourselves and trusting completely in Him. He is the equation. He's everything start to finish. And nothing I say, nothing I do brought me to this point. And nothing I say or nothing I do will make any difference into the future as far as justification. Because it has nothing to do with my behavior. We just got to lock that in. Um, because it's such a good truth. And it brings such freedom in life. Um, let's keep going. Verse 9. Is this blessing then on the circumcised or on the uncircumcised also? For we say faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. So he's bringing back this term again, or this, this phrase again, faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. Well, faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. So maybe faith, this crediting of faith only is for the Jews, right? Abraham and his descendants. That's the logic here. So maybe what needs to happen is everyone needs to become a Jew first, either be a Jew or become a Jew, because you could convert, be a God-fearer. You convert to Judaism, and then faith is an option for you. There's a work that has to occur prior to faith. Well, he's going to destroy that argument here. He says, uh, how then was it credited? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Now, if you know the chronology of the story, Abraham was credited as righteousness in Genesis 15 prior to circumcision. He was not circumcised yet. Um, and he says that, not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. Verse 11, and he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had while he was uncircumcised, so that he might be the father of all who believe, all who have faith, without being circumcised, that righteousness might be credited to them. The, the idea here is, if Abraham was circumcised before receiving righteousness, it very well might be easy to conclude that circumcision was a necessary work prior to righteousness. And that righteousness, this faith righteousness is only, this faith being credited as righteousness is only available to the Jews and, and converts. But if Abraham was not circumcised, which he was not, then circumcision, being a part of the Jewish people, has no relationship to attaining that righteousness. It, it, it was a sign for Abraham after he received righteousness of the relationship he had with God, of the covenant he had with God. Which means, all of that means, righteousness is available to everyone because faith is available to everyone. 
See his logic here? It's a little convoluted. You've got to work through it a little bit. But the reason why righteousness is available to you and to me, because I don't think we have any uh, descendants of Abraham in, in, underneath the tent here, the reason why we can have this faith and which brings about this righteousness, we get credited this righteousness, is because it has nothing to do with being Jewish. Now, I would expand this to get us to think of other possible works that we think need to occur prior to faith. Because I don't know if you've experienced this, I've definitely experienced this in conversations, where people say, I need to clean up my life. I need to start going to church. I need to start praying more. I need to start reading my Bible more. And then maybe we can talk about faith. No. There was absolutely no prerequisite to faith. Faith is the beginning and the end of the story. Which I don't know about you, but I think it's pretty darn amazing. Because I could be at my lowest point having totally destroyed every relationship I've ever had, destroyed every good thing in my life, and at that moment, be able to trust in who Jesus is and what he has done. It's amazing. He finishes with 12 and says, And the father of circumcision... He becomes the father of circumcision, is the idea, to those who are not only of the circumcision, but, also, but who also follow in the steps of faith of our father Abraham, which he had while uncircumcised. So while we in the, under this tent are not physical descendants of Abraham, he is not our ancestor. We are spiritual descendants of Abraham. Because we've chosen to, to walk in his steps, to follow in his steps. And his steps were just to trust him. Just to trust God. I trust you. Stop trusting myself. I trust you. And we have walked those same steps of going, I don't trust myself. I know I'm untrustworthy. I completely trust in you. And that way, we can sing the song, right? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you, right? Except this is not a Jewish song that's sung in synagogues, right? I am one of them, and so are you, because we are descendants of... All right, Jen's going to show us the the motions. Um, Because we're descendants of his faith, right? Um, We followed in his steps of faith. Point your hand out if you want to fill it out is Abraham is the spiritual ancestor of all those who live by faith. Abraham is the spiritual ancestor of all those who live by faith. All right, let's read the little uh, ending here, and then I'm going to finish us off with a question. Abraham was a man who chose to walk by faith. He chose to do things that the world considered insane because he trusted in Yahweh more than he trusted in any man, including himself. Although he, is not, he was not even close to being a perfect man, Yahweh chose to treat him as a perfect man in response to his faith. 
we have the same opportunity that mankind has had since the beginning. We can try to work to win blessing from God as an in-kind response, or we can lay down our confidence in our efforts and receive His favor as a response to our confidence in Him. The choice is as clear as the result. One, God's payment for our works is His wrath. Or two, God's grace for our faith is His blessing. Where is your confidence placed? I want to end with this uh, question this morning. Oh, sorry, I didn't, I didn't advance the slide. Um, end with this question this morning, and you can just discuss it in your groups, and then maybe someone pray, and you guys can end your, end your time this morning. The question is this. What are some ways that we can follow in the steps of faith of our father Abraham? What are some ways that we can follow in the steps of faith of our father Abraham?